disgrace to our country. I'm not surprised that it's happening. Basically, they've started the campaign. So the campaign begins. But the campaign's actually, their campaign's been going on for the last two and a half years. Uh, so it's a shame. And the people understand it. When they look at it, they just say presidential harassment. But that's okay. No. Will. Is that what people are going to see? That's why he's looking forward to talking to Lon because he knows he's been in war rooms. He's looked at poll numbers. He knows how to read the mood. And I, w- I just wonder how people are going to react to that. Are you referring to Mr. Lon He Chen, host of the podcast Crossing Lines with Lon He Chen, David and Diane Steffi, research fellow at the Hoover Institution and director of domestic policy studies at Stanford University? Lon He, how are you, sir? Good morning. How are you, gentlemen? We're excellent. So we got the sense, I think everybody's got the sense, that the Mueller report must be a dud. And word must have gotten out to everybody as the Democrats have decided, eh, it's not, the Mueller report's not the important thing. The important thing is this tax situation. And you even got uh, Eric Trump saying the Mueller report needs to be put out in its entirety. So I think that nails that down. That That's going to be a nothing. So, so we're moving on to all this other stuff. Trump's taxes, his business, all that sort of stuff. Is, as Trump just said, America going to react to that with, what the hell? You're just, you're just doing anything you can to get rid of this guy. Is that going to backfire or not? Yeah, I, I, I do think it's going to be a challenge for Democrats because the shifting of uh, the, the goalposts, as it were, is not going to work in their favor. I mean, the, the Mueller report, yes. I think the Mueller report... Because Mueller's charge is so specific, his charge is specifically the question of Russian intervention in the 2016 election, I I think under that very narrow premise, it's going to be tough to nail too much more down on the president. The question then becomes, yeah, can they shift the... Uh, can they shift the focus elsewhere? And is that going to really play in the election? I, I think the answer is it depends on what the elsewhere is. But by and large, based on what we've seen so far, I do think people are going to be like, look, um, you've you got to assess this guy based on his performance. And, yes, there are things about him we don't like, but let's talk about his performance instead. I think that's got to be the focus for Democrats going into 2020. Listen, I, uh, Lon, he, I don't know if you know this about me, Joe Getty, but I have the gift of being able to see deep within the soul of America. <laughs> wow. And, uh, it's handy, wow. isn't it? Yeah, and frankly, I'd be happy to assist on future campaigns <laughs> and, and lend you that. But um, it, it strikes me that the baked-in Trump supporters and the baked-in Trump haters are what they are. Um, the rest of America is going to see what amounts to an investigation of his entire pre-presidential financial life as irrelevant and as uh, mean-spirited and, and, and a distraction. That's my sense of it. Um, do you think that's, well, you've already said, you think that may be the risk? Yeah, I mean, the again, I think the goal here for a lot of Democrats is to find something or anything they can use to support an impeachment charge. And if they want to go to his life pre-presidency, I have a very difficult time seeing how most Americans are going to see that as relevant. Now, of course, what they're going to say is there are things that started pre-presidency that have leaked into the presidency, that have leaked into his conduct as president, that have caused him to, I don't know, obstruct justice, let's say, as president. Then we're talking about a very similar set of questions to what hampered Bill Clinton. Now, Bill Clinton, his problems were more directly related to things he did while he was president. So the question will be, how much leakage, as it were, is there? And and how much are people willing to say, like, yeah, that's actually a problem uh, that is supportive of impeachment? Impeachment is a very serious political charge. 
and I just don't know that people are going to look at it and say, oh, yeah, you know, like this is a worthwhile endeavor for Democrats to be engaging in. I think yeah. it's going to end up haunting them. They're playing with fire. I, I, yeah, I just I wonder where this is going to go. Uh, Quinnipiac poll that just came out. I mean, Trump's been president for a while now. America's had a good chance to take a look at his act and his life and what he's all about. And Quinnipiac poll has 59% of people say they don't want to go out down the impeachment road at this moment. Huh. It seems like there would have to be something really new to move those numbers significantly, wouldn't there? Yeah, there would be. I mean, here's the reality, right? You've got 30% of people who feel that Donald Trump can do no wrong. And, and, and it's, a, it's a group of people, proverbially, that the president said, uh, I could go to the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot someone. It wouldn't matter. So that's, that's his base. That's pretty baked. And then you've probably got another 25 or 30 percent on the other side who will dislike Trump and will hate him regardless of what he does. Even if he goes out and saves puppies and and unicorns, they're going to hate him. The question really comes down to this 40 percent, you know, give or take. What What's going to move those numbers? And I'm not convinced that impeachment for the Democrats is going to move those numbers. Now, a bad economy could move those numbers. A global catastrophe could move those numbers. The president failing to... Uh, to get anything done on his stated policy priorities, including, by the way, immigration, that could impact that 40 percent. But impeachment is not going to move that 40 percent. So Democrats have to be very careful here what they're doing. Hey, speaking of leaders, Lon He's uh, guest on uh, Crossing Lines with Lon He Chen, his podcast is uh, Mitt Romney this time around. So oh, wow. I, I can't wait to listen to that myself. That's a good one. So let's talk a little bit about um, the other side of the aisle, the uh, the Democrats in Congress where the brief but almost immediately uneasy infatuation with the freshman class, AOC, uh, among others, has turned to real concern. Um, you've got the uh, the gal from Minnesota whose name I can never remember, uh, uh, accused of uh, making anti-Semitic uh, uh, statements. What's your sense of which way that's going? Yeah, I mean, this is like one of those times when you go to McDonald's and you get the, you get the hamburger and you're like, where, where, where's the beef, where's the patty? And I, and I think we're seeing a very similar thing with this freshman class, which is, you know, they come in with a splash, AOC especially. Everyone loves to talk about her. Everyone loves to talk about her colleagues in this class. And then they realize there's not a lot of there there. And the there that is there is actually quite controversial, whether it's the Green New Deal uh, or, or the activities of other members here uh, who, who, who make controversial comments. I, I think it's just a demonstration of the battle that's going on within the Democratic Party. The question of which side of the Democratic Party is going to exert more control as we go toward 2020. Is it going to be the traditional mainstream wing led by people like Joe Biden and, and yeah, Hillary Clinton, versus this sort of new insurgent Democrat wing? And, and right after the election, everyone had said, okay, it's going to be AOC, it's going to be her politics. And now you're seeing the establishment strike back to a certain degree. Now, it doesn't mean that her side of the party isn't going to control the discussion. In fact, Mike Bloomberg's decision not to run, if anything, is demonstrative of the fact that the progressives are still rising and ascending in the party. That, that's the way it I read it, too. I thought, I thought, wow, Bloomberg just doesn't even think a guy like him can run. Exactly. But, you know, it, but, but here's what it does mean. It does mean that AOC is not going to get a free ride anymore. She's not going to get a free pass. Well, she's been called out on her realtor eyes, for instance. Have you ever noticed, Lonnie, she has realtor eyes? <laughs> According to Roseanne. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know what? I, I don't even know what realtor eyes are. But, yeah, but, neither do we. I have to, I have to agree that, that maybe if, if the characterization is whether one can trust AOC or not, I tend to agree that she's probably not trustworthy. That having been said, she's not going to get a free pass. You know, people are going to question her ideas. 
But it doesn't mean that her brand of progressivism is not going to be something that primary voters in 2020 aren't looking for. So, you know, it's an interesting balance that the Democratic Party is going through right now. Hillary announced she's not, or I guess she didn't announce. She offhandedly said, look, I'm not running. And then the New York Times is trying to clear that up today, saying that she didn't close the door on 2020. So I don't know where we are on Hillary. Well, past her. That's where we are. If she knows what's best for her and what's best for the party, she'll move on. She's the Sears of politicians, we've dubbed her. She's the (laughs) Sears of politicians. You think it's gone, and it just keeps coming back. So, so Lonnie, we keep getting emails from uh, Coloradans saying old uh, John Hassenpfeffer is actually a really likable and effective politician. Uh, What do you think of Hickenlooper? Yeah. One of the newest entrants. Aside from the the fact that it's very difficult to, to, to get his name out without stumbling over it, I think it's... He he does have a record of accomplishment as a governor, and that's the thing about being a governor. And and this is why, for a long time, I think Republicans tended to like governors rather than senators as as their as their candidates, because because there is this notion that being an executive, uh, you've actually done something. You've had to work together with people from other side of the aisle. And Hickenlooper does have this record, and I think he will be the more moderate uh, guy uh, in this race. The question is going to be, how do you get air? in an environment where the emphasis is on doing things that are outrageous and doing things that are just completely over the top. That's not John Hickenlooper. And so can he work in this environment? I I teach a class at Stanford where uh, we're talking about the 2020 campaign. And actually one of my guests yesterday, a very thoughtful Republican, very well-known Republican, said he thought Hickenlooper would be in the final three. I, I, I understand that point of view. I just don't know how he gets airtime. I don't know how he gets... A list off in this environment. That's well, question. back to my ability to see deep into the American soul. Um, we are very close to peaking and and cresting and and going down the curve of how much hyperbole. God, and I hope you're excitement right. Excitement. I hope you're right, but I fear you're not. I, well, yeah, I fear it too. <laughs> I'm just thinking a calming presence. I've often said all all politics, presidential politics in particular, are a reaction to what's just happened. You know, Ford was was calm and and placidity after Nixon, and Carter was even calmer than that. Uh, but I could see the appeal of, hey, listen, I'm a pretty nice guy. I'm reasonable. I don't hate Republicans. I kind of like Joe them. Biden. Yeah, except he's too Hickenlooper's old. not you know older than the the hills. So I don't know. It'll be an interesting guy to keep an eye on. Hey, Lonnie, you have Mitt Romney on today. You and him are friends, but on your podcast, are you going to poke him, trying to get him to say bad things about Trump because he hates Trump, right? <laughs> we, we we did talk a little bit about about his policy views on a few issues and, and how they might differ from Trump. But overall, it was I, I just wanted to get a sense of whether he's liking what he's doing now. I think a lot of people just wonder, you know, he's made this transition back into public life. He's in the Senate now after having been a chief executive and governor. What's that like? And so we, we had a nice conversation. It was great to see him. And, and for the record, I think he's really enjoying this chapter of his life. And I think policy. You guys talking about policy? Policy it's about personalities. <laughs> Self-immolation is where it's at. Please, <laughs> Mitt Romney says he's like to punch uh, Donald Trump in the face. Listen to it on Lon He Chen's hit podcast, <laughs> Crossing Lines with Lon He Chen. Uh, Lon He, it's always uh, enlightening and fun. Thanks a million, and uh, we appreciate it. Good talk to you guys. Thanks. And we'll have a link at armstrongandgetty.com so you can dig his uh, podcast. You want to get attention, you got to set yourself on fire on a tightrope. Right. That's the only way to go about it. Right. Intelligent and measured discussion of policy. (laughs) Boom! Another kick in the gut. Is the tightrope inflammable in this situation? Because that's dangerous. It's it's complicated. you got to put a special coating on it. I hope you're right. You would think there's a limit, right? You can only go so far down the... 
you, you, there's a reason, you know, you play a big song and then you bring it back down. And you kind of play a quieter song there in the concert. You can't just be over the top the whole time. Right. Yeah. Uh, people fatigue. And I, uh, my feeling is people are getting a little fatigued. We'll see. Yeah. Text line 415-295-KFTC. I don't know why R. Kelly thought it was a good idea to go on the early show with Gail King, but he did, and he was a crazy person. We can play some highlights from that if you want. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Remember, as you're enjoying this fabulous podcast of the radio show, you can also get the Armstrong and Getty One More Thing podcast and Armstrong and Getty Extra Large, our long-form interviews, available via the iTunes podcast app and the iHeart app. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Man, this is a big news day. Really is a lot of stuff to get to. Um, brief personal note was just uh, writing my usual uh, good morning love note to my sweet bride. And uh, Apple, helpfully as they always do, changed of to if. <laughs> as they always do, because nobody ever says of. Apple, Tim Cook, that's so nice if you. Helpful if you. It's one if the nicest things a giant corporation has ever thought if for me. Thanks. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand changing have to had or I, words that are commonly used. I don't, I don't get that of to if. It's not like of is you know it's a, some sort of advanced word only people who write for the New Yorker use. I mean it's. Common. Anyway, of uh, more importance, probably uh, the Stefan Clark shooting, Sacramento, California. It's a young black man. He was um, he was out. Uh, he was actually doing crimes, uh, vandalism, that sort of thing. He was on uh, uh, several different substances. He was acting very erratically. He was unarmed. He had a cell phone in his hands. He was running from the cops, climbing fences. They confronted him in a backyard. Uh, he advanced toward them. They thought his phone was a gun, and they shot him dead. Which is a brief encapsulation. Which is a tragedy, no doubt about it. It is absolutely a tragedy. The guy was kind of screwed up, in my opinion, but uh, it's a tragedy. And you ask the two cops who did the shooting, they'd tell you it's a tragedy. Oh, yeah. People come back from moments like that. Yeah. Um, So it's incredibly unfortunate. On the other hand, every layer of analysis, including the left of Trotsky, Attorney General of California, has said, no, it was a... A legitimate shooting. It's it's a damn shame, but the cops didn't violate any policies. They didn't violate any laws. Um, and you can, you know, Google it, go online. There are plenty of videos and stuff like that. But a couple of aspects of this I wanted to talk about. Oh, the uh, city council meeting in Sacramento melted down last night. Give us the first clip. We all forget that before human beings are anything else, they are animals. And you guys have put us in a cage. Do you know what happens when you put an animal in a cage for too long? It goes crazy. It catches rabies. And it forgets about consequences. You better hope and pray that the black community in Sacramento, Stockton, San Francisco, Chicago, New York, Brooklyn, Baltimore, everywhere, does not forget about consequences. So, sounds like a threat to me, and they had to stop the city council meeting as people jumped up on desks and yelled and screamed and the rest of it. Um, 
So is she of the belief that cops are out to kill young black men? That is yes. a, a and common that, thread that you hear? That, yeah, that the authorities can make whatever excuses they want. They gun the man down in cold blood. I just, from the facts, there's no way you can... You can take that, but you know she's entitled to her opinion. Uh, the uh, certain uh, progressives in California are pushing new legislation that says instead of the current policy, which is given what the cops knew and perceived at the time, did they behave according to the law when they use deadly force? They want to change it to once all the facts are in. If it turns out the cops were wrong, they can be prosecuted for murder. Well, then that's the end of dealing with those situations. Cops will just stay in their cars. How would you not? That is a bizarre, idiotic, and naive way to approach it. Very quickly, I have this on unimpeachable authority. Daryl Steinberg, the mayor of Sacramento, California, he's a a very powerful politician in California, has been for decades. He took a police shoot-don't-shoot training exercise. He did it. Where the pop-up comes and you have to make the very quick decision. Shoot, don't shoot. Is it a perpetrator with a gun? Is it an innocent? He refused. He never pulled the trigger. He was killed over and over again in that exercise because he said, I just can't. I can't be the one to. I can't make that decision. So he has a unicorn riding, wildly unrealistic view of reality. He he couldn't even do it at all. That's interesting. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. So putting aside the the anger of the protesters on the whole Stephon Clark shooting thing, the, uh, the idiots of the California legislature trying to pass that law that says, you know, you get to second-guess cops once all the facts are in. If it turns out it was a toy gun, well, then the cops are guilty of murder, and they need to go to jail. Um, it's just so... It's, it's, nothing's ever made me as mad, I think, as a, a court case that... It was a number of years ago. But essentially, there was an intruder in this guy's house, and he was trying to beat the guy down, and God knows what would have happened to his wife and children, and the jury found him guilty of assault and right. battery because he should have retreated. He, he had other options. He could have done other things. And listen, I've never been in combat. I've never been in a gunfight. But I have been in situations where the real animal fear step sets in and you have that taste of metal in your mouth and and it's it's you think this could be the moment I die. And for somebody to sit comfortably in a jury chair or in the legislature or whatever and say, well, what you should have done was just makes me so freaking angry. I can't even, it's the hubris of that. It's just sickening. Now, that legislation will go nowhere, I suspect, although in Cal Unicornia, it's definitely, it's, it's difficult to predict how stupid things can get, but we'll keep an eye on that legislation, make sure it goes nowhere. So the biggest news story of the day to me is the, the these immigration numbers that came out yesterday. We do have a crisis at the border. We've had record-setting numbers of people trying to get into the country. Right. Astonishing numbers. And it's it's family units and incredibly difficult to deal with. These are new numbers that just came out yesterday. I don't know why the Trump administration didn't share them with us before, but uh, really, like, eye-popping numbers. It, it is a crisis at the border, and we got more on that later. But right now, the news with Marshall Phillips. Well, an emotional R. Kelly says he is being assassinated and denies sexually abusing women and controlling their lives. CBS This Morning broadcasting Kelly's first interview since he was charged in Chicago with sexually abusing four people, including three underage girls. 
Uh, Kelly says he's done lots of things wrong when it comes to women, but says he's apologized and he denies doing anything against their will, insisting parents wanted him to meet their daughters, including the two women he's living with now. What kind of father, what kind of mother will sell their daughter to a man? Who did that? How come it was okay for me to see them until they wasn't getting no money from it? Why would you take your daughter, if I was going to take my daughter and she's 19 years old to a 49-year-old icon, whatever, celebrity, or R. Kelly concert, or whoever it is, I'm not going to put her on the stage and leave her. I'm going to take her to the concert. That's a perfectly legitimate point of view, Robert. And then you would sex them up and hold them prisoner and do it with underage girls, etc. The one does not change the other. Yeah, I wonder also why the parents allowed their uh, underage. Uh, he went with 19, but that's... Uh, well, that was intentional. Yeah. Uh, the, How about the 16-year-olds, Robert? The parents who dropped off their 14-year-old at his recording studio and left them alone. But, uh, yeah, even if they're unwise, you don't get to be a rapist, you weirdo. Yeah, Gail King going on to ask... You're saying the the parents handed their daughters, Azurel and Jocelyn, over to you? Is that what you're saying to us? Absolutely. Are the cameras you, still you, going? Yes. Absolutely. There you go. Absolutely. So what point did he stand up and was, like, pounding his chest? What was that all about? The, I'm fighting for my life yeah. part. When you could hear him, you know, That's beating right. on his chest there. He looks like a complete lunatic. Because he's a lunatic, I think. And a rapist. Now, Allegedly. Now, Gail King's also interviewing his live-in girlfriends. Are those the girlfriends he currently has or former live-in girlfriends? Are they standing up for him? I don't know. Nah, he's a great guy. Seriously, you just got to get to know him. He's quirky. We play board quirky. games all night. We laugh. It's great. White House lawyers expect to point Tend to... to his sex prisoners. Then we go back to the board games. It's great. White House lawyers expect to point to executive power and privilege as they turn back requests for documents by House Democrats launching a number of investigations related to President Trump. You know, these things... I was wondering how Trump seems so calm about this. His, his, his two-hour-long rambling speech on Saturday in the face of all this. I wonder if he's just been in enough of these jams. He realizes, look, it takes years... For these things to ever come to an end. Mm-hmm. Years. It could be part of it. Yeah, it comes out in the media and yeah. it's a very big deal. And everybody thinks, wow, this is going to be a heck of a week or something. No. Three years from now, you'll get the information you want. Right. I went crazy when the Obama administration would slow walk documents over Fast and Furious and that sort of thing. Or, or Benghazi. They would, the, the Congress would establish we have the legitimate right to these documents. And the Obama administration say, yeah, okay, yeah, no problem. We'll get that to you. Yeah, yeah, we'll uh, we'll work on that. And six months would go by. Six months. And then they'd say, yeah, yeah, we're working on it. And three months more would go by. So, yeah, Trump in the White House counsel's office and his personal attorneys are all saying, yeah, we got this. Don't worry about it. He's probably pretty calm. Trump and his aides are publicly denigrating the investigations as being wholly unwarranted. It's a disgrace. It's a disgrace to our country. I'm not surprised that it's happening. Basically, they've started the campaign. So the campaign begins. But the campaign's actually, their campaign's been going on for the last two and a half years. Uh, So it's a shame. And the people understand it. When they look at it, they just say presidential harassment. But that's okay. No. You know, uh, note to self, use the uh, phrase wholly unwarranted more. Honey, I thought we'd clean the house today. This is wholly unwarranted. I have a tea time. 
Now, as far as getting his taxes, he doesn't need to participate. He doesn't need to go along with that at all, right? Old Cummings committee will just say we need the taxes, and the, IRS the tax people on the across the street will just send over a copy, right? And then that's that, right? And then it, it's oppo research. This is obviously oppo research. You could defend the obstruction of justice stuff. Um, it's defensible. That, you know, he was trying to interfere with the Mueller probe or, or, or whatever. Um, or, or messing with old uh, Lion Cohen. He was messing with him and right. threatening him, whatever. That's in-office stuff. But the whole, his entire financial life prior to getting into office, that is just oppo research. And I think it's going to be pretty clear to the American people what's going on. There you go. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. That's a bald eagle right there. We're ending the freedom. segment right now that's wholly unwarranted, Michael. <laughs> I like it. I like the feel of it. Have you heard about the new official Bernie Sanders drinking game? I have not. Every time Bernie mentions a free government program, you chug someone else's beer. <laughs> Hey now! Hey. I get it. It's a shot of socialism. Yes! That's what that is. Yes! I recognize that. He's sharp as a tack, friends. Yes. <laughs> Stop throwing cheese at your baby's faces, you idiots. So I don't know the whole... Following that I, don't, story. I don't know the whole cheese on babies thing. I saw the picture, but I don't know what's behind it. The stupid, stupid idiots. Get that PGO work clip ready. The internet's behind it. How about that teen who testified against his mom in uh, in Congress yesterday? Yeah. That's a good one, too. All coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the, of the nation. Armstrong and Getty Show. A new record has just been set in the world of luxury vehicles. Italian sports car manufacturer Bugatti just sold a one-of-a-kind supercar for a record price. They sold the car for $18.9 million. $18.9 million for a car. It's $19 million if you want the optional floor mats. <laughs> You got unlimited money. Uh, I would think that the floor mats would come with it for that price. You would assume. <laughs> yeah. It is. Uh, it goes 261 miles an hour, at high speed. Not all the time. That'd be that suck a car that only goes that speed. Um, True. Which reminds me, I don't know if you've been following the Jerry Seinfeld story. He um, he sold a guy a car for like a million and a half dollar Porsche rare Porsche in a rare color was the reason it was so rare. But anyway, the guy got it and then said this is a fake. And is blaming Seinfeld, says Seinfeld knew all along. Seinfeld is now suing the company, it's in California, I think, that he bought the rare car from. Ah, yes. And Should Se- ask for the certificate of authenticity. Seinfeld said, among other things, uh, I think he's made that joke, actually. And uh, Seinfeld said, among other things, I'm a pretty successful comedian. I really don't need to make extra money with, with phony car sales. <laughs> oh, yeah, no kidding. He has hundreds of millions of dollars. <laughs> it's really... He's not putting sawdust in the engine of used cars and just trying to flip them. God, that's such a Jerry thing to say. I don't think I need to be ripping people off. That's a good point. Uh, you know what? I think we ought to lead with the uh, the precious, the priceless quote from the great P.J. O'Rourke. Well, whose bright idea was it to put every idiot in the world in touch with every other idiot? That's a description of the Internet. 
the cheese challenge is five days old. I saw a picture of this the other day. I saw a little kid, like a two-year-old with a piece of cheese up against his face. So some freaking moron, one of the people PJ was referring to, <laughs> posted a video on Twitter saying, I just cheesed my little brother. He threw a cheese slice onto the baby's face, and it sticks there. Well, it wasn't his brother. He'd pinched somebody else's video off Facebook, and 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 the family involved is very unhappy about it. And people thought, yeah, that'd be funny. Let's throw cheese at infants' faces and see how they react. Often they cry because they're frightened. Uh, <laughs> you threw something at them. <laughs> I don't know. What are you hoping to do here? Change the sort of person that would do that? <laughs> There may be 1% of people that would throw cheese at an infant, but they heard on the Armstrong and Getty show that that would make them a stupid, stupid moron. And we'll refrain from doing it. Okay. I'm hoping to reach that 1%. There you go. I'm Joe Getty. Don't throw cheese at your babies. <laughs> really don't throw anything at them. Class A moron. Amen to that. Um, did you see the 18-year-old who testified before Congress yesterday about uh, vaccination? We, we had this story the other day. He's one of the, this is becoming a thing, I guess. You get old enough, you turn 18, and you realize, you you decide that your parents were wrong in not getting you vaccinated, mm-hmm. and you go out and get vaccinated. Kids younger than that are doing it, too. Depends on the state they're in. Yeah, whether or not it's legal. Right. But this particular yeah. teen, he said, this, this is not a controversial issue. There are not two sides to this issue, he testified, which I thought was interesting. He My said, mom was a wackadoo. He said, all the science is there. Getting a vaccination is a great idea. This is not controversial. Which, uh, you know, me saying that will get us a million emails from the don't vaccinate your kids crowd. Just mom goes back to her wacky Facebook group, and so the, the, the kids are, you know... Old enough to say, no, I've looked into it. Yeah, yeah, give me the shots. Interesting. Yeah, although, son, I would, uh, you know, he testified in front of Congress. Uh, I'd check that peanut butter and jelly sandwich your mom makes for you for your lunch at uh, school tomorrow. I'd check it real good. Go ahead and lift up the bread and make sure there's only peanut butter and jelly on there. So there has always been some discussion among your libertarian crowd of whether, whether or not that fits in with the libertarian ideal that the you have to get your kids vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have done it anyway, but. Do I have to? I don't even know if I have to. I did it because it's this is what I what I think you ought to do. Right, right. Well, yeah. I mean, Tim Lawyer's talked about this, and and it's 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 a question of it's an externality. You you are producing disease and inflicting it on other people. Terrible diseases that have had terrible consequences through the uh, through the centuries. And so, if it were merely, you know, it's a non contagious disease. If it was like. Um, well, I don't know, a non-contagious disease, a tumor of some sort. Um, if it was merely a question of that, well, then no, nobody could compel you in any way or, or you know, frankly, it'd be none of their business to even urge you to get a vaccination. But if your kid is going to be broadcasting terrible diseases at other kids, well, yeah, we have a, a common interest that's pretty compelling. Mm. You have, in the words of TJ, Thomas Jefferson, Either broken my leg or uh, taken my purse. In this case, broken my leg, metaphorically speaking. You know, it's uh, you know, I sympathize people because they care about their kids. It's not like they're doing it because they're profiting from it. No, you know, it's not... I've known a few people that uh, care about their kids. That's an interesting. Uh, I don't know. I assume everybody cares about their kids. 
but I've known a few people that are just so into that whole being contrary thing. Yeah. It's That's an ego why they're thing. doing it. It's, it's an not, ego thing. It's not because they think it's better for the kid. Yeah, it's an ego thing. Yeah. I don't think they're doing it because they think it's actually think it's better. I mean, well, some of you are, but uh, I've known a few people. They're just, they were into all of those kind of things. Right. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> believes this, but I think they're wrong. They believe the alternate story on everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, which just tires my hiney out. Um, that sort of person. But uh, go ahead, write your emails. Go ahead, that's fine. All right, super, super. Yeah, Hillary's running a child sex ring out of a pizza joint. Okay, great. What? What percentage of uh, millennials have at least a bachelor's degree? 70 or 30. 39%. So we're we're getting closer (laughs) to half. You go back to just uh, early baby boomers, and it was 24% in 1982 of uh, that crowd. People the same age, 25 to 37. So currently that age group, 40% of its bachelor's degree, you go back just to 1982, and only a quarter did. Practically half as many. That reminds me of an aspect of the whole uh, despair of America. Did you hear we talked earlier this morning about how the uh, drug overdose rates and suicide rates are jumping up from last year? Which were astonishing. It's the highest rate of people dying from suicides, alcohol, and drugs that they've ever recorded. And it's a loss of connectedness, in my opinion. People aren't feeding their souls. They're, they feel connected on social media, but they're not. And also, just the change of the, the workplace. It's been really difficult for men because we've gone from a very physical society in terms of economics to a much more, um, you know, you could say cerebral, but it's just... It's not as physical, and so the physicality of men is not as necessary, and so men are finding a harder time as a class being breadwinners, supporting their family, the rest of it. I hope you're right about your theories. The reason I hope you're right about your theories is that it's got something to do with, you know, we're not connecting with human beings or God or something, is that could be fixed. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping it's not something like cell phone raised change our brains and make us all miserable. You know, something that, you know, the all of a sudden, we never used to drink bottled water. Practically nobody did. Now right. everybody does. Mm-hmm. The plastic in the bottles is something, making us all miserable. Something environmental, yeah. 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 I, I hope it's something like that. A, a societal, cultural thing that we all decide, you know what, we need to start having uh, family reunions again and playing volleyball on the weekends, and then we're fixed. That'd be better than if it's plastics. Well, what I worry about, well, I worry about the fact that if I get any fatter, my belts won't fit anymore, um, <laughs> and I'll have to buy new belts. But I also worry about um, if, as our economy changes more and more, some people think it'll be artificial intelligence, blah, 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 that uh, human beings will not really have to work. We'll just work a few hours, and we'll all have a... A guaranteed income because the computers will all make us money and it'll haul. <laughs> You're going to have hundreds of millions of people without a purpose to their lives. And, you know, in your uh, agrarian society, societies where people have to work all day long to feed themselves, mental illness is practically unknown. Ain't nobody got anxiety where people have to bust ass all day long, nor depression. My dad has been saying that since I was a kid, but. So when I was young, everybody had to work all day long until they were so tired you could barely make it to your bed. Nobody was depressed. <laughs> my my sweet, wonderful daughter, my eldest kid, who has a number of um, challenges, um, we were talking last night, and she said, uh, she, she was talking about her job, 
And part of her job right now, she unloads trucks. She said, I love manual labor. She said, I I love the exercise of it, and it just clears my head. There's no doubt it does that. Oh, it's absolutely true. And, you know, I'm not recommending everybody, therefore, go out and dig ditches. I mean, we only need so many ditches. Um, But I think, you know, every species that becomes extinct, unless it was, like, stamped out by human beings... It was complicit in its own demise. It ate all the food or whatever, or it overbred or a disease or whatever. I just wonder that we've created a world where human beings can't possibly be happy. When I picked up hay bales, I had very little time for ennui. Yeah, I know. I know. It's, it's the victim of our own success. Mm. It's like the, uh, the, uh, the rich guy who ends up miserable. Rosebud. Google it. I don't know. This is awfully heavy for a morning radio show. Quick, somebody make what a joke about somebody's, uh, somebody's uh, genitals. What is this, the olden days? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That's something, though. You would think that, that there'd be TV specials about it, and the president would be talking about it. The highest rate of suicides, alcohol, and drug deaths. Instead, we're interviewing R. Kelly. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, we can't solve these things exactly, but just be aware of it, you and your family. Try to find a a, a purpose for your life. Yeah. Connectedness. I can only worry about me and my loved ones. Right, exactly. Yep. Try to make them not that way. And we wish you the best. Stop being that. That's what I'll say to them. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.